You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Apple Patches actively exploited iOS 17 vulnerability. CACBOT's survival of a major takedown. Badbox puts malware in the device supply chain. Looney tunables and a privilege escalation risk. Scattered Spider believed responsible for cyber attack against Clorox. Sony discloses information on its data breach. In today's Threat Vector segment, Chris Tillett, senior research engineer at Palo Alto Networks and member of the advisory board at Titanium Labs, joins host David Moulton to delve into the mind of an insider threat. Dave Bittner sits down with Eric Goldstein, executive assistant director at CISA, to discuss shared progress against the ransomware threat. And the Kremlin tightens control over the Russian information space. I'm Trey Hester, filling in for Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel briefing for Thursday, October 5th, 2023. First, some patch news out of Cupertino. Apple has patched two serious vulnerabilities affecting iOS and iPadOS Security Week reports. Apple says one of the flaws, CVE-2023-42824, a privilege escalation vulnerability affecting the kernel, may have been actively exploited against versions of iOS before iOS 16.6. Security Week notes that this is the 16th documented in-the-wild zero-day against Apple's iOS, iPadOS, and macOS-powered devices. The other flaw, CVE-2023-5217, is a buffer overflow vulnerability affecting WebRTC that could enable remote code execution. This vulnerability involves a problem with the libvpx video codec library. Bleeping Computer writes, quote, The libvpx bug was previously patched by Google in the Chrome web browser and by Microsoft in its Edge, Teams, and Skype products, end quote. The patches merit your quick attention if you're an Apple user. The operators of CACBOT are back, Cisco Talos researchers report. They're distributing Ransom Night Ransomware in a campaign that began in early August and continues into the present. The activity continues despite an FBI-led takedown of CACBOT's infrastructure. Notably, this activity appeared to begin before the FBI seized CACBOT infrastructure in late August and has been ongoing since, indicating the law enforcement operation may have not impacted CACBOT's operator's spam delivery infrastructure 
but rather only their command and control servers. CACBOT's operators lost an important part of their infrastructure, but they remain at large and may well be working to reconstitute their operation. Security firm Human has disrupted a key monetization mechanism of a sophisticated series of cybercriminal operations involving backdoored off-brand mobile and CTV Android devices sold to end-users through major retailers originating from repackaging factories in China. The campaign, known as Badbox, uses the Triada malware to steal personally identifiable information, establish residential proxy exit peers, steal one-time passwords, create fake messaging and email accounts, and other unique fraud schemes. Human worked with Google and Apple to disrupt the ad fraud portion of Badbox, dubbed Peach Pit. Additionally, the researchers shared information about the facilities at which some Badbox-infected devices were created with law enforcement, including information about the organizations and individual threat actors believed to be responsible for the Peach Pit operation. This is not the first time malware has been introduced into devices before they were purchased, and it's unlikely to be the last. But Human thinks this operation was unusually clever and complicated. Researchers at Qualys have discovered a buffer overflow vulnerability that could grant attackers root privileges on millions of Linux devices, dark reading reports. The flaw affects the GNUC library's dynamic loader's processing of the glip-tunable's environment variable. Qualys says, quote, Our successful exploitation, leading to full root privileges on major distributions like Fedora, Ubuntu, and Debian, highlights this vulnerability's security and widespread nature. Although we are withholding our exploit code for now, the ease with which the buffer overflow can be transformed into a data-only attack implies that other research teams could soon produce and release exploits, which could put countless systems at risk. Scattered Spider, the Alfie-affiliated gang associated with the ransomware incidents at MGM Resorts and Caesars Entertainment, is now believed, Bloomberg reports, to have also been responsible for the cyber attack against Clorox. Many details of the attack on Clorox remain unclear. It's not, for example known with certainty whether the attackers deployed ransomware, nor whether they used social engineering to gain access to Clorox systems, although both seem likely. But there's little doubt that it had an impact on the company's results. The company has been concerned about the effect of the attack on its business, since production of several product lines was interrupted during the incident. Clorox warned yesterday, the Wall Street Journal writes, that the incident caused sales to fall between 23 and 28% for that quarter that closed on September 30th. The company will also show a loss for the quarter. It projected roughly $150 million in profit. Sony has confirmed a data breach that exposed the personal information of the company's employees and their family members, bleeping computer reports. A threat actor exploited a vulnerability in Progress Software's Move-It transfer platform to steal the data several days before Progress disclosed the flaw in May of 2023. Sony has said, in the course of notifying people who may have been affected, quote, on June 2nd, 2023, Sony discovered the unauthorized downloads, immediately took the platform offline, and remediated the vulnerability. An investigation was then launched with assistance from external cybersecurity experts. We also notified law enforcement. End quote. The Klopp ransomware gang, which exploited the movement flaw to launch widespread attacks earlier this year, added Sony to its list of victims in June. And finally, the Institute for the Study of War has reported what it characterized as an intensification of digital authoritarianism in Russia. The Russian Prosecutor General's office has asked that V contact block posts from relatives of mobilized servicemen that call for their return home. The Prosecutor General's request effectively has the force of law. Dissemination of unreliable information about the special military operation is legally prohibited. Russia's FSB on Tuesday proposed that the Duma expand the FSB's authority over the personal and geolocation data. 
This authority would be in addition to earlier proposals to give the FSB complete access to user data handled by Russian internet, banking, and telecom companies. The model appears to be China. There's even a project underway in which the Russian state social university is developing and testing a social rating system for Russians based on the Chinese model, and that the intended generated social scores will link to personal data that government entities and banks will have access to. Coming up after the break, in today's Threat Vector segment, Chris Tillett, Senior Research Engineer at Palo Alto Networks and member of the advisory board at Titanium Labs, joins host David Moulton to delve inside the mind of an inside threat. Dave Bittner sits down with Eric Goldstein, Executive Assistant Director at CISA, to discuss shared progress against a ransomware threat. Stick around. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. Welcome to Threat Vector, a segment where Unit 42 shares unique threat intelligence insights, new threat actor TPTs, and real-world case studies. Unit 42 is a global team of threat intelligence experts, incident responders, and proactive security consultants dedicated to safeguarding our digital world. I'm your host, David Moulton, Director of Thought Leadership for Unit 42.
In today's episode, I'm going to talk with Chris Tillett. Chris is a senior research engineer at Palo Alto and a member of the advisory board for Titanium Labs. Chris, your bio on LinkedIn was really short. It says author, speaker, technologist, and failure expert. Before we get into today's topic on Insider Thread, I want you to talk to me a little bit about what you mean by failure expert. <laughs> yeah, that's a title I've earned through pain and experience. I had to really learn by doing, and I have a natural curiosity. So by me looking at something and going, well, I wonder if we did this, uh, how would that impact the network? Or if we did that, how would that impact the systems? It helped me learn and fail fast. I love it. You've got to be fearless to be able to go into something knowing that the uh, odds could be stacked against you, but no risk, no reward. What is insider threat and why has that become such a growing concern in today's cybersecurity landscape? Insider threats are probably the most difficult thing to address because in reality, they start in a person's figurative heart. To catch the early Traces of it is extremely difficult. There are just some people that are wired to find the loopholes in an organization. When we look at what an insider threat is, in reality, it's anyone who has access to our systems, our data, our information that could use that for their own gain or the gain for somebody else. So tell our audience the common motivations or factors that you've seen that lead individuals uh, to become insider threats, and then how understanding those motivations help on identifying and mitigating uh, those risks. Yeah, so I have a, I call it the 10-80-10 rule. I talked earlier of there are people that are just wired to find the holes in your organization. That's about 10% of your employees. Sometimes that's data theft. Sometimes that could actually be money theft. That's also why you put controls in place. Typically, those controls are going to catch people where it starts with a dollar or two, and then eventually they get more and more bold, and then they trip a control later on. The other 10% of people that are on the other opposite end of that spectrum are people that we never have to worry about. They will never steal from the organization. As a matter of fact, they won't even borrow a pencil and take it home. They are, it's just not how they're wired, and they refuse to do it. To me, those two sides are very easy. You have the ones that are just going to get bold and eventually screw up. And then you got others that you never have to worry about. The hard part is the 80% in the middle. And the reason why is many of them will never become insider threats, ever. But all it takes is a change in their circumstances, a change in the organization, and all of a sudden, the thoughts creep in. That seed of motivation, the 80% are the hardest to find. So what are some of those key indicators or behavioral patterns that organizations should be aware of when trying to identify those insiders in their workforce? It's a crucial for the management to know their employees and for the SOC to be in communication with that management and track normal across an organization. Having something that does behavioral tracking is absolutely crucial. What is insider threat for HR? 
What is insider threat for accounting, for IT? When we're using digital assets, we are creating a profile of what is normal. If we're not able to track that, then when a user deviates from that normal, we're not going to catch those beginning indicators. CISOs need to leverage the business units. Having that baseline on behavior immediately is one of the most important things an organization should do. But that's just my opinion. It's absolutely true, David. And and so when you look at this, that baseline in comparison, not only to themselves, but their organization and their peers is going to be truly enlightening to the SOC. Being able to evaluate an individual against their peer groups is going to be crucial to see whether or not they're really deviating from their norm. Chris, thanks for joining me today on Threat Vector. We'll be back on the CyberWire Daily in two weeks. Until then, stay secure, stay vigilant. Goodbye for now. That's host David Moulton speaking with Chris Tillett of Palo Alto Networks as part of our Threat Vector segment. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Eric Goldstein. He is Executive Assistant Director at CISA. Uh, Eric, it's always uh, a pleasure to welcome you back to the show. I want to touch base with you today on where we stand when it comes to ransomware uh, and some of the the partnerships that, that you uh, and your colleagues there at CISA uh, have taken on. Thanks so much, David. It's really great to be here, and particularly about this important topic. You know, over the past year or so, uh, we at CISA and our partners across the U.S. government realized that although we've provided guidance, best practices, assessments to help organizations secure themselves against ransomware and against the epidemic that keeps affecting far too many organizations across sectors. We need to do more to measurably uh, address the threat and risk that we're all facing. And so we stood up two programs uh, over the past year that have been uh, remarkably impactful. Uh, the first uh, is a program that was actually uh, authorized by Congress last year called our Ransomware Vulnerability Warning Pilot. And the way this program works is we know that there are specific vulnerabilities that are targeted time and again uh, by ransomware actors. Uh, you know, They have the vulnerabilities that they like to achieve their goals. They're going to keep coming back to it again and again. And one uh, recent example this summer, of course, is the targeting of of the vulnerability in the Move It Manage File Transfer application uh, by the Clop Gang. Um, mm. With this ransomware vulnerability warning pilot, we we scan uh, internet-facing assets uh, for thousands of organizations uh, across the country uh, to identify if they are running vulnerable assets that are targeted uh, by ransomware actors. And if we find one, then one of our regional team members pronto gets on the phone or even knocks on a door and tells the organization, um, hey, you really want to mitigate or patch or take offline this asset before a ransomware actor comes around and creates a really hard day for your organization and your customers. Um, And at this point, we've notified over 500 organizations um, of Mm. these vulnerabilities and driven hundreds of of mitigation steps uh, that, that otherwise wouldn't have occurred. But we also know that even with that program, there are still too many intrusions uh, happening every day. 
But we also know that with ransomware actors, the way they operate is actually similar to other threat actors in which they'll gain initial access, but then they often don't immediately exfiltrate data. They often don't immediately encrypt data. They'll often move around the network for hours, even days, to find that high-value asset that they think they can monetize uh, for the most ransom for the victim. And that gives us a window. And so what we've been able to do is build partnerships with security researchers, cybersecurity companies, and government agencies who can actually see when a ransomware actor executes an intrusion on a victim organization, on a school district, on a hospital, on a small business, and they'll let us know the moment that they see that intrusion occur. And that gives us a short window where we can get out to that victim and we can say, here's some technical information about the intrusion. Uh, here's, here's the host ID. Here's the, here's the IP address of the actor's command and control infrastructure. Here's the credentials they're using. If you take these very specific remediation steps right now, you might actually be able to avoid harm. This has been extraordinarily impactful. Uh, just this calendar year alone, we've done 430 of these notifications, um, including over 30 K-12 school districts, um, 50 higher education institutions, and over 40 hospitals uh, around the country. And a very neat one here, we've also done over 80 notifications to international organizations across 19 different countries. And most mm. of these, we were able to get to fast enough that we could actually prevent harm. Now, obviously, this needs to scale, it needs to broaden, but both these programs are ways that we can actively show risk reduction against the cybersecurity threat. It really does, uh, to me, seem like a, a great example of, of success in, in the this whole notion of public-private partnership. That's exactly right. You know, particularly this second program, the pre-ransomware notification initiative, is predicated entirely on really two things. The trusted partnerships that we have built with security researchers and cybersecurity companies who um, you know, don't receive any compensation or other benefits. They are doing this because they want to help organizations that are being impacted by ransomware, as well as the partnerships that our regional team members at CISA have built with organizations around the country, such that when an organization gets a call from a CISA team member, they take it seriously and take quick action to address the threat before harm occurs. Are we at the point where, where CISA's reputation precedes itself, where if someone uh, out of the blue gets a call from the agency that uh, you know, they're not left wondering, who, who the heck are you and why are you calling me? <laughs> CISA remains a fairly new agency, uh, and, right. <laughs> and although we do everything we can uh, to make sure that our, our brand is out there and we have name recognition, there are certainly still organizations around there uh, who, have, who have never heard of CISA or, or even thought about ransomware risks. And so that's why it's yeah. so important for us to have this regional workforce. Uh, so even if someone's never heard of CISA, perhaps our regional cyber advisor knows somebody who knows somebody who knows that enterprise and can actually get in there for a trusted conversation to encourage them to take quick action. For folks in our audience who want to learn more, is, is there a best place for them to reach out? There absolutely is. We have a one-stop shop uh, for information uh, about all of our counter-ransomware initiatives. Uh, it is uh, stopransomware.gov, um, and that is a great place to, to access both our guidance and to sign up for, uh, for the uh, ransomware uh, vulnerability warning pilot. All right. Eric Goldstein is Executive Assistant Director at CISA. Eric, thanks so much for taking the time for us.
Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is me, with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show is written by our editorial staff. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. And I'm Trey Hester, filling in for Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Now, a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.